0: section 40 of Montcalm and Wolf by Francis Parkman this LibriVox recording is in the public domain chapter 15 part 3 Montcalm assured them that if they had been neglected it was only through the hurry and confusion of the time expressed high appreciation of their talents for bush fighting promised them ample satisfaction and ended by telling them that in the morning they should hear the big guns. This greatly pleased them, for they were extremely impatient for the artillery to begin. About sunrise the battery of the left opened with eight heavy cannon and a mortar, joined on the next morning by the battery of the right, with eleven pieces more. The fort replied with spirit, the cannon thundered all day, and from a hundred peaks and crags the astonished wilderness roared back the sound. The Indians were delighted. They wanted to point the guns, and to humor them, they were now and then allowed to do so. Others lay behind logs and fallen trees, and yelled their satisfaction when they saw the splinters fly from the wooden rampart. Day after day the weary roar of the distant cannonade fell on the ears of Webb in his camp at Fort Edward. I have not yet received the least reinforcements, he writes to Loudon. This is the disagreeable situation we are at present in. The fort, by the heavy firing we hear from the lake, is still in our possession, but I fear it cannot long hold out against so warm a cannonading, if i am not reinforced by a sufficient number of militia to march to their relief the militia were coming but it was impossible that many could reach him in less than a week those from new york alone were within call and two thousand of them arrived soon after he sent loudon the above letter then by stripping all the forts below he could bring together forty five hundred men while several french deserters assured him that montcalm had nearly twelve thousand to advance to the relief of monroe with a force so inferior through a defile of rocks forests and mountains made by nature for ambuscades and this too with troops who had neither the steadiness of regulars nor the bush fighting skill of indians was an enterprise for firmer nerve than his he had already warned munro to expect no help from him at midnight of the fourth captain bartman his aide-de-camp wrote the general has ordered me to acquaint you he does not think it prudent to attempt a junction or to assist you till reinforced by the militia of the colonies for the immediate march of which repeated expresses have been sent the letter then declared that the french were in complete possession of the road between the two forts that a prisoner just brought in reported their force in men and cannon to be very great and that unless the militia come soon monroe had better make what terms he could with the enemy the chance was small that this letter would reach its destination, and in fact the bearer was killed by Lacorn's Indians, who in stripping the body found the hidden paper, and carried it to the general. Montcalm kept it several days till the English rampart was half battered down, and then, after saluting his enemy with a volley from all his cannon, he sent it with a graceful compliment to Monroe. It was bougainville who carried it preceded by a drummer and a flag he was met at the foot of the glacis blindfolded and led through the fort and along the edge of the lake to the entrenched camp where monroe was at the time he returned many thanks writes his emissary in his diary for the courtesy of our nation and protested his joy at having to do with so generous an enemy this was his answer to the marquis de montcalm then they led me back always with eyes blinded and our batteries began to fire again as soon as we thought that the english grenadiers who escorted me had had time to re-enter the fort i hope general webb's letter may induce the english to surrender the sooner by this time the sappers had worked their way to the angle of the lake where they were stopped by a marshy hollow beyond which was a tract of high ground reaching to the fort and serving as the garden of the garrison logs and fascines in large quantities were thrown into the hollow and hurdles were laid over them to form a causeway for the cannon then the sap was continued up the acclivity beyond a trench was opened in the garden and a battery begun not two hundred and fifty yards from the fort the indians in great number crawled forward among the beans maize and cabbages and lay there ensconced on the night of the seventh two men came out of the fort apparently to reconnoitre with a view to a sortie when they were greeted by a general volley and a burst of yells which echoed among the mountains followed by responsive whoops peeling through the darkness from the various camps and lurking places of the savage warriors far and near the position of the besieged was now deplorable more than 300 of them had been killed and wounded smallpox was raging in the fort the place was a focus of infection and the casemates were crowded with the sick a sortie from the entrenched camp and another from the fort had been repulsed with loss all their large cannon and mortars had been burst or disabled by shot only seven small pieces were left fit for service and the whole of montcalm's thirty-one cannon and fifteen mortars and howitzers would soon open fire while the walls were already breached and an assault was imminent through the night of the eighth they fired briskly from all their remaining pieces in the morning the officers held a council and all agreed to surrender if honourable terms could be had a white flag was raised a drum was beat and lieutenant colonel young mounted on horseback for a shot in the foot had disabled him from walking went followed by a few soldiers to the tent of montcalm it was agreed that the english troops should march out with the honors of war and be escorted to fort edward by a detachment of french troops that they should not serve for eighteen months and that all french prisoners captured in america since the war began should be given up within three months the stores, munitions, and artillery were to be the prize of the victors, except one field-piece which the garrison were to retain, in recognition of their brave defence. Before signing the capitulation, Montcalm called the Indian chiefs to council, and asked them to consent to the conditions, and promise to restrain their young warriors from any disorder. They approved everything, and— promised everything the garrison then evacuated the fort and marched to join their comrades in the entrenched camp which was included in the surrender no sooner were they gone than a crowd of indians clambered through the embrasures in search of rum and plunder all the sick men unable to leave their beds were instantly butchered i was witness of this spectacle says the missionary roubaud i saw one of these barbarians come out of the casemates with a human head in his hand from which the blood ran in streams and which he paraded as if he had got the finest prize in the world there was little left to plunder and the indians joined by the more lawless of the canadians turned their attention to the entrenched camp where all the english were now collected the french guard stationed there could not or would not keep out the rabble by the advice of montcalm the english stove their rum barrels but the indians were drunk already with homicidal rage and the glitter of their vicious eyes told of the devil within they roamed among the tents intrusive insolent their visages besmirched with war-paint, grinning like fiends as they handled in anticipation of the knife the long hair of cowering women, of whom as well as children there were many in the camp, all crazed with fright. Since the last war the England border population had regarded Indians with a mixture of detestation and horror, their mysterious warfare of ambush and surprise their midnight onslaughts their butcheries their burnings and all their nameless atrocities had been for years the theme of fireside story and the dread they excited was deepened by the distrust and dejection of the time the confusion in the camp lasted through the afternoon the indians says bougainville wanted to plunder the chests of the English. The latter resisted, and there was fear that serious disorder would ensue. The Marquis de Montcalm ran thither immediately, and used every means to restore tranquillity. Prayers, threats, caresses, interposition of officers and interpreters who have some influence over these savages. We shall be but too happy if we can prevent a massacre." detestable position, of which nobody who has not been in it can have any idea, and which makes victory itself a sorrow to the victors. The Marquis spared no effort to prevent the rapacity of the savages, and I must say it of certain persons associated with them, from resulting in something worse than plunder. At last, at nine o'clock in the evening, order seemed restored the marquis even induced the indians to promise that besides the escort agreed upon in the capitulation two chiefs for each tribe should accompany the english on their way to fort edward he also ordered la Corne and the other canadian officers attached to the indians to see that no violence took place he might well have done more in view of the disorders of the afternoon it would not have been too much if he had ordered the whole body of regular troops, whom alone he could trust for the purpose, to hold themselves ready to move to the spot in case of outbreak, and shelter their defeated foes behind a hedge of bayonets. Bougainville was not to see what ensued, for Montcalm now sent him to Montreal as a special messenger to carry news of the victory he embarked at ten o'clock returning daylight found him far down the lake and as he looked on its still bosom flecked with mists and its quiet mountains sleeping under the flush of dawn there was nothing in the wild tranquillity of the scene to suggest the tragedy which even then was beginning on the shore he had left behind the English in their camp had passed a troubled night, agitated by strange rumours. In the morning something like a panic seized them, for they distrusted not the Indians only but the Canadians. In their haste to be gone they got together at daybreak, before the escort of three hundred regulars had arrived. They had their muskets but no ammunition and few or none of the provincials had bayonets early as it was the indians were on the alert and indeed since midnight great numbers of them had been prowling about the skirts of the camp showing says colonel fry more than usual malice in their looks seventeen wounded men of his regiment lay in huts unable to join the march in the preceding afternoon miles Whitworth the regimental surgeon had passed them over to the care of a French surgeon according to an agreement made at the time of the surrender but the Frenchman being absent the other remained with them attending to their wants the French surgeon had caused special sentinels to be posted for their protection these were now removed at the moment when they were needed most upon which about five o'clock in the morning the indians entered the huts dragged out the inmates and tomahawked and scalped them all before the eyes of whitworth and in presence of lacorn and other canadian officers as well as of a french guard stationed within forty feet of the spot and declares the surgeon under oath None, either officer or soldier, protected the said wounded men. The opportune butchery relieved them of a troublesome burden. A scene of plundering now began. The escort had by this time arrived, and Monroe complained to the officers that the capitulation was broken, but got no other answer than a device to give up the baggage to the Indians in order to appease them to this the english at length agreed but it only increased the excitement of the mob they demanded rum and some of the soldiers afraid to refuse gave it to them from their canteens thus adding fuel to the flame when after much difficulty the column at last got out of the camp and began to move along the road that crossed the rough plain between the entrenchment and the forest the Indians, crowded upon them, impeded their march, snatched caps, coats, and weapons from men and officers, tomahawked those that resisted, and seizing upon shrieking women and children, dragged them off or murdered them on the spot. It is said that some of the interpreters secretly fomented the disorder. Suddenly there rose the screech of the war-whoop at this signal of butchery which was given by abenaki christians from the mission of the penobscot a mob of savages rushed upon the new hampshire men at the rear of the column and killed or dragged away eighty of them a frightful tumult ensued when montcalm levis bourlamaque and many other french officers who had hastened from their camp on the first news of disturbance threw themselves among the Indians, and by promises and threats, tried to allay their frenzy. "'Kill me, but spare the English who are under my protection,' exclaimed Montcalm. He took from one of them a young officer whom the savage had seized, upon which several other Indians immediately tomahawked their prisoners, lest they too should be taken from them.' one writer says that a french grenadier was killed and two wounded in attempting to restore order but the statement is doubtful the english seemed paralyzed and fortunately did not attempt a resistance which without ammunition as they were would have ended in a general massacre their broken columns straggled forward in wild disorder amid the din of whoops and shrieks, till they reached the French advance guard, which consisted of Canadians, and here they demanded protection from the officers, who refused to give it, telling them that they must take to the woods and shift for themselves. Fry was seized by a number of Indians who, brandishing spears and tomahawks, threatened him with death and tore off his clothing leaving nothing but breeches, shoes, and shirt. Repelled by the officers of the guard, he made for the woods. A Connecticut soldier who was present says of him that he leapt upon an Indian who stood in his way, disarmed and killed him, and then escaped. But Fry himself does not mention the incident. Captain Burke, also of the Massachusetts regiment, was stripped after a violent struggle of all his clothes then broke loose gained the woods spent the night shivering in the thick grass of a marsh and on the next day reached fort edward jonathan carver a provincial volunteer declares that when the tumult was at his height he saw officers of the french army walking about at a little distance and talking with seeming unconcern three or four indians seized him brandished their tomahawks over his head and tore off most of his clothes while he vainly claimed protection from a sentinel who called him an english dog and violently pushed him back among his tormentors two of them were dragging him towards the neighboring swamp when an english officer stripped of everything but his scarlet breeches, ran by. One of Carver's captors sprang upon him, but was thrown to the ground, whereupon the other went to the aid of his comrade and drove his tomahawk into the back of the Englishman. As Carver turned to run, an English boy about twelve years old clung to him and begged for help they ran on together for a moment when the boy was seized dragged from his protector and as carver judged by his streaks was murdered he himself escaped to the forest and after three days of famine reached fort edward the bonds of discipline seem for the time to have been completely broken for while montcalm and his chief officers used every effort to restore order even at the risk of their lives. Many other officers, chiefly of the militia, failed atrociously to do their duty. How many English were killed, it is impossible to tell with exactness. Rubode says that he saw forty or fifty corpses scattered about the field. Levis says fifty, which does not include the sick and wounded before murdered in the camp and fort. It is certain that six or seven hundred persons were carried off stripped and otherwise maltreated montcalm succeeded in recovering more than four hundred of them in the course of the day and many of the french officers did what they could to relieve their wants by buying back from their captors the clothing that had been torn from them many of the fugitives had taken refuge in the fort whither munro himself had gone to demand protection for his followers and here roubaud presently found a crowd of half frenzied women crying in anguish for husbands and children all the refugees and redeemed prisoners were afterwards conducted to the entrenched camp where food and shelter were provided for them and a strong guard set for their protection until the fifteenth when they were sent under an escort to fort edward here cannon had been fired at intervals to guide those who had fled to the woods whence they came dropping in from day to day half dead with famine on the morning after the massacre the indians decamped in a body and set out for montreal carrying with them their plunder and some two hundred prisoners who it is said could not be got out of their hands. The soldiers were set to the work of demolishing the English fort, and the task occupied several days. The barracks were torn down, and the huge pine logs of the rampart thrown into a heap. The dead bodies that filled the casemates were added to the mass, and fire was set to the whole. The mighty funeral pyre blazed all night. Then on the sixteenth the army re-embarked. The din of ten thousand combatants, the rage, the terror, the agony, were gone, and no living thing was left but the wolves that gathered from the mountains to feast upon the dead. End of section 40